0: Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Thank you, Dr. Whitfield. And let me, in that context, encourage you uh, Friday week, uh, we will have our uh, seminary and college graduation here in Binkley Chapel there'll be many many people that come to graduation that are lost uh parents grandparents brothers and sisters friends who never go to church uh some even don't even go on easter or thanksgiving but they'll be here because of their love for a graduate and so we always make sure one that we pray for them and also that the gospel is presented in that graduation then the following wednesday at the Nash Correctional Facility, we will have our second graduation uh, for the men that have been trained and have graduated with their bachelor's degree. And then they will be deployed throughout the prison system of North Carolina as field ministers. Again, there will be family uh, members there uh, who are lost. And so again, uh, just as God brings them to your mind, pray for both of those graduations, not only as a time of celebration, but also even more importantly as a time of salvation as well I want you to join me this morning in God's Word in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 beginning with verse 22 and studying through verse 35 Luke 2 22 through 35 God keeps his word about a savior Luke chapter 2 beginning with verse 22 now, this is the word of the Lord And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now... There was a man in jerusalem whose name was simeon and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of israel and the holy spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the lord's christ and he came in the spirit into the temple and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed, destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed i have discovered as one ages that there are many challenges that come along with that aging process but i've also discovered that as you grow older there are many blessings in life that become sweeter and sweeter for example there is the deepening of one's love for their mate and their children Uh, There's the gift of, for at least Charlotte and me, daughters-in-law and grandchildren, and maybe in God's kindness and grace someday, great-grandchildren. There are friendships that have lasted for decades and they grow sweeter with each passing year. Uh, There's the blessing and joy of leading people to faith in Jesus Christ and watching them grow in discipleship to become more like our Lord. And here at Southeastern in particular, there is the enormous blessing for our faculty of training all of you to go wherever it is that God deplores you as you help fulfill the Great Commission. But added to all of that, there's also the blessing of discovering that even as you approach the sunset of life, God is not through with you, God is not finished with you and it may even be as you approach the finish line of this life you discover that God has reserved his greatest blessing in your life for this very moment that is certainly true for a quartet of saints that we find recorded in the infancy narrative of Luke's gospel in chapters one and two there is, first of all, Zechariah and Elizabeth who were, as chapter 1, verse 7 says, quite advanced in age. Now, there is Simeon, who we read about in this passage, who was approaching death. And following the story of Simeon, there's the story of Anna, the prophetess, who according to the text in chapter 2 and verse 36, was perhaps more than a hundred years old, all for them received God's greatest blessing in their lives as they approached the twilight and the end they all discovered along with Joseph and Mary that and the shepherds and the world that God is a God who kept his word about a savior and so we're going to look at one of those four individuals the man by the name of Simeon whose story is recorded in verses 22 through 35. And I want you to see three lessons from this text that we learn from this aged saint about the God who keeps His word concerning a Savior. Number one, God's blessings should always be accompanied by our obedience. Jesus the Savior, who is the Christ, chapter two, verse 11, has been virgin born to a woman by the name of mary chapter 1 verse 34 and also to her husband a man by the name of joseph he has been named jesus in obedience to the command of the angel gabriel that is recorded in chapter 1 and verse 31 and he has been circumcised eight days following his birth but now 33 days later the text says they came for the purification According to the law of Moses now what are they doing as recorded in verse 22 well they're simply obeying Leviticus chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 furthermore the text says they brought him that is Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Well, not only are they obeying Leviticus 12, 6 through 8, they're also obeying Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2, and Exodus chapter 34, verses 19 and 20, as they present their firstborn son as belonging specially holy to the Lord but they're not finished with their obedience they are also obeying Leviticus chapter 12 verse 8 with the presentation of a sacrifice a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons and so let me make uh, three observations about what we learn from these opening verses of this particular story first of all Luke sees no difference in calling the word of God the law of Moses verse 22 and the law of the Lord, verse 23 and verse 24. In other words, he simply recognizes that there is both a human author, Moses, and there is a divine author, the Lord, and the two have come together in producing for us the Word of God. Indeed, all of it is God's Word, and he can refer to it both by the Word of Moses or the law of Moses and the law of the Lord. By the way... The law is mentioned no less than five times in these verses again emphasizing the 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 obedience and the allegiance and the devotion of Joseph and Mary to be faithful to obey God's Word this is a text that is immersed in the Word of God and its claims on our lives and the beautiful obedience of Mary and Joseph secondly the phrase as it is written in verse 23 is in the perfect tense in other words it is Luke's way of saying the Word of God which stands written and remains written for all time Uh, one of my heroes in the ministry is a man by the name of W.A. Criswell Uh, Dr. Criswell was the pastor for many decades of the First Baptist Church of Dallas Texas when he was buried A Bible was laid upon his chest and opened to his favorite verse of Scripture and his finger placed there before the casket was closed. That verse is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 where the Bible says the grass withers and the flower fades but the Word of God will stand forever. But then there's a third observation that we can make. The presentation of turtle doves or pigeons and not a lamb indicates the poverty of joseph and mary and their humble status in this world in other words they were not wealthy uh, they were not rich Uh, they were not a people of means by any stretch of the imagination of course we know that in part from the fact that Jesus when he was born had to be placed in a animal stall in a manger but we also learn as we read through the text of scripture that there's evidence given again and again of their humble state in life by the way uh, those who today uh, uh, spout a a heretical theology known as the prosperity gospel have no understanding at all of what the bible truly says in fact the bible says better to be poor and godly than rich and evil in fact proverbs chapter 28 and verse 6 says better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked perverse in his ways No, Jesus was born into a home of parents who were very poor, but he was also born into the home of parents who were godly and very obedient to the word of God. That is why in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19, uh, Joseph can be referred to as a just man. And mary can be described in luke 1 28 and 30 as a woman who is favored by the lord and in chapter 1 verse 35 a woman on whom the holy spirit would come to conceive the holy son of god in other words god's blessings in their lives were accompanied by obedience not only then I strongly suspect that their obedience was evident all the days of their life. And I would just remind those of us who have the wonderful calling of being parents that we have a great role model in Joseph and in Mary. They uh, provide for us a, a couple that you could describe by the song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey god's blessing should always be accompanied by our obedience number two god's promises are always kept his promises are always kept we see this in verse 25 through verse 32. Uh, luke's narrative now shifts away from joseph and mary so much to a simple man in jerusalem by the name of simeon And you'll notice there in the text of Scripture that Simeon is described as righteous and devout. Uh, The Good News translation says he was a good, God-fearing man. And what does the text say about him? Well, the text tells us there in verse 25 that he was waiting for, he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Now that's an interesting phrase and deserves at least somewhat of a investigation the word consolation paraklesis uh, speaks of the promises uh, the hopes the coming of the messiah and the comfort that this hope gave to god's people in fact that phrase is clarified if you like or added to in the text because later in chapter 2 and verse 30 the consolation of israel is referred to as the lord's salvation and later the prophetess Anna in chapter 2 and verse 38 speaks of it as the redemption the salvation of Jerusalem so it is God's comfort it is the Lord's salvation it is the redemption of Israel but something more is said about this man Simeon who is waiting for the comfort and the coming of God's Messiah if we were using our common vernacular today we might say he was a man that the holy ghost was all upon him in fact no less than three times in this passage luke will talk about the ministry and the work of the holy spirit in the life of simeon he tells us for example in verse 25 that the holy spirit was upon him He tells us again that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, verse 26. And again in verse 27, the Spirit led him to the temple and to Jesus and his parents. What are we seeing here is simply this. God had promised this good and godly man that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, I think he was probably a very normal man like you and me. And so I have to imagine as he got older and older and older and older, he wondered and he wondered and he wondered and he waited and he waited and he waited. And And it was not until the close of the end of his life that the word of the Lord came to fruition. I think about my uh, own life with my with my wife Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, as many of you know, was born into a children's home. Her parents were alcoholics, uh, and 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 they were lost. and And her mother, in particular, uh, we tried uh, on time after time to share with her, uh, to get her to go to church with us. He would always rebuff our overtures and and simply reject any efforts on our part to to win her to Christ. And finally, literally at the end of her life, she got very ill and she was placed in the ICU unit in Grady Hospital in downtown Atlanta. Charlotte received a phone call from one of the family members informing her that her mother was, was dying, that she was in the hospital. They did not expect her to live much longer and they'd actually called only to get Charlotte to, to agree to sign off on a non-resuscitation order. And uh, Charlotte looked at me with tears and she said to me, you know, sweetheart, I can't hardly bear the thought of of mama dying and and going to hell and not knowing the Lord. And so we got on our knees over at our house and we prayed. And after a few minutes, she said to me, honey, do you think that um, Dr. Merritt, James Merritt, a very prominent pastor in Atlanta, one of our dearest friends, do you think he would go down to the hospital and witness to my mama? And i said well i think he would and so i called him and i got him on the phone and i told him what the situation was and he said well you know danny i this was on a tuesday uh late afternoon he said i I leave town in the morning uh but i come back friday and when i get back friday i I promise you i'll go see miss ramsey and i'll be sure to talk to her about the lord and i thanked him and i said you know she really is sick and We just don't know how much longer she's going to live but i appreciate your willingness to do that and and we hung up the phone and i took her out to eat uh, just across the street over here to the mexican restaurant and we sat down and as we sat down and was placing our order my phone rang and it was dr Merritt. and i'll never forget he said you know danny i don't think i should wait i'm going to go now and my friend Dr. James Merritt and his wife Teresa drove about 45 miles from where they live into downtown Atlanta went up into the ICU unit and he there shared the gospel with Charlotte's mother and literally at the end of her life she gave her heart to Jesus and you see we prayed and prayed and prayed for years and God's answer to our prayer came at the very end of Charlotte's mother's life. I agree with my friend Adrian Rogers who says God is never early and God is never late. He is always right on time. And we see this lived out beautifully in the life of Simeon. And we also receive a very valuable lesson about patience and trust and waiting on the Lord. Well, as our text tells us, he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Saint Simeon goes to the temple, no doubt, the court of women. And it says there in verse 27 that he first touches the child Jesus. And then in verse 28, it says he actually takes him up into his arms. And then he speaks a blessing, thanking God and proclaiming what we know as the fourth and final infancy hymn hymn in Luke's gospel is known as the Noon Dimittis. By the way, the other three are the Magnificent in chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, the Benedictus in chapter 1, verses 68 through 79, and the Glory in Excelsis in chapter 2 and verse 14 this particular hymn is a beautiful doxology of confidence in his sovereign God he simply says in verse 29 and 30 through 31 and 32 Lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation a salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Interestingly, that word Lord in verse 29 is the word despote, we get our word despot from it. Uh, it is a strong word that recognizes and emphasizes God's sovereignty in terms of who he is and how he rules the world. But let me show you four things that we learned about Simeon in these verses. First of all, he says he can go be with the Lord now because his master, his Lord, his despot has kept his word. And now he says in verse 29, my heart is at peace. Secondly, He says, I've seen with my own eyes the promised Messiah, what he calls God's salvation in verse 30. Then in verse 31, he informs us something dear to my heart. The salvation that comes through the Lord Messiah is not a narrow, it's not a restricted, it is not a private affair kind of salvation, but one that will be a blessing for all the people. But then fourthly, and it's almost as if he feels the need to amplify what he means by that phrase, all peoples. He tells us this blessing for all peoples is a uh, is, is crystal clear in terms of the fact that it is going to be for both Israel and the Gentiles. And here we see a knowledge revealed to us of how Simeon understood and knew the word of God. Because what you find here is kind of a grouping together. Of Isaiah 49 verse 6 and Isaiah 52 verse 10 and Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 19 and putting all of those together he explains to us that this salvation which is for all peoples is going to go to the ends of the earth and it is the ends of the earth that will see the salvation of the of our Lord the salvation of our God but furthermore it will be both one a light of revelation to the gentiles to the nations but furthermore it will also be for the glory of your people Israel I love the way that the wonderful commentator James Edwards puts it in his commentary on the gospel of Luke he writes and I quote Simeon recovers a long neglected but seminal truth of Judaism namely that Israel was not the terminus of god's revelation to all humanity a light for revelation to the gentiles does not mean that god has rejected israel israel is and ever remains god's people 11, uh, romans 11 verse 29 but jesus the messiah reveals the heart of god and the essence of israel's scriptures and prophecy and he references Luke chapter 24 and he says the reception of Jesus as Messiah enlightens Simeon to declare that the glory of your people Israel must now and forever include the nations as well. Yes, God always keeps his promises. But number three, God's salvation calls for a decision. It calls for a decision look at verses 23 33 through 35 now his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him I suspect that that is a reference to what he just said in verse 31 and 32 that they did not yet fully comprehend the the scope and the universal nature of the salvation that Israel's Messiah would bring and Simeon then blessed them that is I believe Joseph and Mary and he said to mary in particular his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed they marvel at the words of simeon uh, the message uh eugene peterson's paraphrase says they were speechless with surprise in other words they knew that this child was sent by god to as matthew 1:21 says save his people from their sins but they understood uh, or their understanding let me say it that way their understanding of the scope of that salvation was far too limited In fact, John Calvin says, like good disciples, they continue to make progress in their knowledge of Christ. So the salvation that comes from God's Messiah, yes, it's for Israel, but more. It's also for the nations. But it is also a word, a message, a salvation that is divisive. And this is the sobering aspect of this promise Simeon begins his final words as I noted a moment ago by blessing them Uh, a reference, I think most likely to Mary and to Joseph but it is not only a blessing it is a blessing of prophecy filled as one scholar said with severe grace and mercy severe grace and mercy and speaking to Mary he says behold indeed This child is appointed. I like the Christian Standard Bible. He is destined. He is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. What does he mean by all of that? God's Messiah, his son, will not be well received by all, though he did come to save all. Many will rise in salvation with joy and thanksgiving but others will fall in rejection. Words that recall again the Old Testament Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 14. Jesus himself tells us does he not in Matthew 10 34 do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but I've come to bring a sword. And folks let's be honest those are the kind of words that are not well received in a world that now places a premium on being nice people like the Jesus that they craft and shape and mold after their own imagination Uh, they like the Jesus that they can pick and choose like a cafeteria uh, aisle uh, when it comes to the scriptures But not really willing to take all that the Bible says about Jesus bottom line I don't give a rip about your opinion of Jesus I care what God's Word reveals about who he is and yes he is loving and he is gracious and he is compassionate and he is forgiving of sinners But he is also the king of kings the lord of lords who when he returns will return on a white horse with a sword to wipe out the enemies of him on this earth that's what the bible says in terms of its full portrait and here the bible says yes he will come and bring great joy to some but he will come and divide even families as well and here the bible says that when it comes to mary herself a sword will pierce through her own soul also I do believe that from the beginning Mary understood that she was giving birth to God's Messiah the son of God the savior of the world but did she fully grasp at this point all that that would involve I doubt it I don't think so and here in a form of a prophecy Simeon says that this Jesus this son of yours Who will bring you so much joy as his mother as you raise him as you see him grow in wisdom and statute and favor among men it will also be turned to unspeakable pain and sorrow when you see him rejected brutalized and nailed to a Roman cross but your heart will not be the only heart that is affected the son of God's coming into the world will impact every heart everywhere again as one man said it will be a cataclysmic internal earthquake of the heart that demands a decision for or against Jesus in other words our hearts your heart my heart all hearts are exposed by this child one way or another And perhaps that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 whoever is not with me is against me no middle ground no waffling or wavering you're either for me or you are against me and yes this baby in a manger this Christ upon a cross is the glorious returning King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he demands of every heart every soul every life you bow your knee to me and confess my Lordship those who do so will rejoice in discovering the truth that God has kept his word about sending a savior but those who don't will weep in sorrow and find that they have done nothing less than played the fool oh so are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness you see there's light for look at the Savior and life more abundant and free his word sh- shall not fail you he promised believe him and all will be well then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell turn your eyes upon jesus look full into his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace let's pray together heavenly father i thank you for this very simple story that is immersed in obedience to your word and immersed in the promises that you have kept in sending a savior into the world, your son, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the Prince of peace. And yes, your son's coming is beautiful and glorious and wonderful but it also divisive and calls for a decision. And Lord, it is indeed our assignment to go among Jewish persons and among the nations that they might hear of the Savior who has come, whose name is Jesus. So Lord, thank you that for many of us, like Simeon and Anna and Zacharias and Elizabeth, your greatest blessing in their life was delayed to the very end. But I suspect when we get to heaven and we ask them about it, they will say, oh, it was worth it because God always keeps his promises. Just look at our lives. We are glad to be exhibit A. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of the year. May we indeed rejoice in it and may we go and tell others of this wonderful salvation, this consolation of Israel. His name is Jesus, in whose name we ask and pray it all. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit SCBTS.edu.